0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. We got Dennis Dodd coming up here in just a little bit. The Dodd Father breaking down a, a really good conversation on uh, name image likeness and some of the changes that are afoot. Within college athletics, um, thanks to the bill that has been passed by Gavin New- Governor Gavin Newsom in California and other legislation that's being introduced across the country, also Dodd's hot seat rankings and uh, some of the coaches, whether or not they will be, uh, whether whether or not they are going to be around to continue to lead their programs into the future and what the forecast might look like for some of those coaches. Barton Simmons, how are you feeling? We got uh, we got week six on deck. How's it going?
1: It's going good. It's going good. It's been uh, a little maddening to see all the – not maddening. Almost almost. – it's been kind of nice to see how every curmudgeon that doesn't like the name, image, and likeness bill, sort of every one of their points of why they don't like it, there's a pretty clear rebuttal for. So it hadn't been maddening. It's almost been satisfying. But we'll get into all that with Dennis – um you're, you're a
0: high-minded man you like some good discourse I,
1: yeah I'm, I'm all about discourse um uh, big discourse guy uh but no this has been a nice little i don't know about nice but a little up from the football grind this week as we talk about big picture stuff and now it's you know as, as the weekend approaches time to dig back into the to the nuts and bolts of the games
0: That's right. So, we've got our week six locks. Uh, We'll be recording those tomorrow, Thursday morning. Uh, They should be up by about 11 or noon on the East Coast. Uh, Before we get to Dennis, um, I've got three burning questions for week six. Are you ready, Barton? Yeah. Okay. Burning question number one. When we were on CBS Sports HQ uh, on Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, you can watch it on CBSSportsHQ.com or you can find CBS Sports HQ on the CBS Sports mobile app. Both of us were doing a little bit of Heisman forecasting, and and I think that as we were uh, running through this – oh, actually, it was on Sportsline, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, also watch that on CBSSportsHQ.com. Get your picks for every single night, especially now that we're in baseball playoffs. So we were both asked to to try and find somebody from low on the Oz board who might be able to work their way into the conversation as the, the top four as the top four players on the odds board are sort of separating themselves from everyone else. And, and you and I, you know, without knowing or without communicating it both landed on the, on the same player, the iconic Texas quarterback, Sam Ellinger. I thought that was uh, awesome. I, I threw my hands up when you started talking about him, I was off camera and Rob came in my ear. He was like, Oh man, I'm so glad that I kept this a secret from you guys. So, as we have been just spinning our love for Sam Ellinger and sort of what all the things that he can accomplish, my burning question is Texas on upset alert going to West Virginia, favored by 10.5, number that opened at 11, maybe even 11.5, and and is dropping. Should we be concerned about our beloved Longhorns?
1: Oh, that number's dropping? No, I I think – Every, I mean, I've said this before. Every game in the in the Big Twelve is upset alert, and, and especially with these Texas defensive backs dropping like flies. Like Caden Stearns is banged up. Jalen Green's banged up. Um, you know, I, I don't know where the health is at with BJ Foster and DeMar got yeah. overshown at this point. But I mean, there's there's a lot of bodies back there that are 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 not going to be on the field. It feels like, or at least not at full strength. So. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I, I will indefinitely, um, be, have the big 12 collectively on upset alert throughout the season, uh, including Oklahoma. Uh, there's a couple games. Oklahoma can, can sleepwalk through probably, but the rest of the conference is absolutely, I think, uh, uh, very cannibalistic. So yeah, Texas, Texas better not slip. And if they do, then there goes our boy Sam Ellinger's Heisman Heisman. Yeah, they'll
0: being gone. I was <laughs> yeah, my point was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, has uh, the Red River game happened yet?" because until then, like wait, like that's that's when the Sam Ellinger Heisman campaign starts because the Big 12's got that backloaded schedule where most every team plays three non-cons right at the beginning and then your round robin takes off and so many of those marquee matchups are in October, October, and November. So yeah, like he could absolutely be back in this thing. But a loss at West Virginia uh, would go further. I, I, I have it on, uh, I have it on good authority that you might have some some inside knowledge on this. Uh, as we look to the the Big Ten noon slate, Iowa's going to the big house to play Michigan. Barton, who's got a better offense, Iowa or Michigan?
1: <laughs> yeah. So we already recorded. The, the Dennis segment, and I, I I mentioned that, you know, I talked to someone at MTSU that was, like, more impressive. And, and I mean, Iowa's offense was more impressive than, than Michigan's offense against MTSU. And that was week one for Michigan. And, um, and and but I think that this Iowa offense, look, I mean, it's, it's a matter of whether Michigan really found something to click last week or whether that's just Rutgers. Um, but, I mean, Iowa to this point has looked – pretty dang good on offense i mean nathan stanley has been as clean as can be in the pocket he's not turning the ball over he's throwing the ball well they've got actual legitimate i mean i know they lost two first round draft picks a tight end but they have pretty good receivers on the outside and they have an offensive line that's been outstanding this year we know their defense is as efficient as ever so um I mean, right now, yeah, you got to say that Iowa's offense is better than Michigan's, don't you?
0: Yeah, you absolutely do. The thing that uh, when I'm looking at this game is is actually going to be the fact that Iowa's defensive line has not been quite as disruptive as I expected it with all the hype um, right up around AJ Epinesa coming into the season and sort of the way that I imagined that unit in particular would dominate it getting to the passer and getting in the backfield we haven't quite seen that yet and that doesn't mean that it won't be something that that happens later in the season that kind of stuff you know comes and goes but I I think that that's probably my one disappointment with Iowa and my one thing that would have me uh have me shine away from just sort of jumping all in on Iowa, maybe even sprinkling on that money line uh, as they go into the big house. Cause that's a, is, is that game going to show up? I mean, do, you know, no spoilers, but I mean, that's one that I'm hovering. That's one I'm sniffing around for locks.
1: Oh, I'm definitely, I mean, this is Wednesday's my, my hardcore resource research day. So I'll dig in if that's absolutely on the first impressions list. Like, uh oh Iowa's catching points. With okay. a hook? With a <laughs> hook? <laughs> yeah. 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 So we'll we'll see. We'll see what whether I um unveil some some red flags of why I shouldn't take, pick that. But yeah, I mean that's that's I mean Iowa looks like a better team. Trust your eyes, right?
0: Yeah, it's not it's not what you thought a team was gonna be, it's what they've been. Yeah. That's it's that time of the year. I love that. All right, burning question number three before we get to Dennis Dodd. How many points do you think Brian Kelly wants to put up on Brian Van Gorder's Bowling Green defense?
1: <laughs> I think he probably. <laughs> you know what the spread is? Do what? Do you it's know like what? forty-four and a half? Is it has it moved up from there? Oh,
0: it's moved up. We're up at forty-five and a half right now.
1: Oh my lord! For
0: an FBS game.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, I think he probably wants to put up as many points as Phil Jerkovic and all those backups are willing to put up because uh, I'm sure he wants to get those starters out and rested as, as soon as possible for USC, but uh, I'm sure he's got no no qualms with letting the backups get plenty of uh, plenty of meaningful action. Let's try to score with these guys. The, the quote, I wish I had it in front of me uh, or the audio for you, but at a presser this week and i i I truly have no idea what brian kelly and brian van gorder's relationship is currently like i don't know whether that in good terms bad terms um but you know he was the four and eight defensive coordinator for brian van gorder for brian kelly and someone asked him if if they had kept in touch through the years do you talk to brian van gorder much and kelly was like no i don't really talk to him that much you know, he's had a bunch of different jobs over the last couple of years. Been hard to keep keep track of where he is, which to me was a little bit of a that struck me as a little bit of a dig for for the old coach. Um so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a couple of a he, couple of trick trick plays in the fourth quarter.
0: Brian Kelly fired Brian Van Gorder four games into the season in twenty sixteen.
1: You don't know, think that ended with uh, with flowers? No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> that was a like, hey, bud, like we've both been around this game mm. a long time. Get you know, this was an opportunity, and uh, you got to go. You got to yeah. get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this. Like you. If this continues, I'm gonna get fired. Like this is <laughs> this has gotten awful. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. And of course, Bowling Green one and three as we continue to track our uh, our over under win total going under three with the fade Brian Van Gorder play.
1: Yeah, this one isn't one of the this is this is not one of the more critical games on that schedule. Uh, we'll, we'll count this one as a loss and, and move on to the next one. But I'm feeling pretty good about that under right now that that lock unity under.
0: The Kent State was one that uh, we were a little bit concerned about. Kent State won that game sixty-two to twenty.
1: Yeah, that was big. That was big when when Kent State's dropping uh, a forty-two point margin of victory. You you know you you kind of warm up a little bit.
0: We've, we've got some dicey ones when we get into November with Akron uh, coming to Bowling Green and, and a few other potential trouble spots, but so far we're looking good. Uh, all right, uh, coming up on the other side, Dennis Dodd breaking down name, image, likeness, coaches on the hot seat, and more. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting,
2: technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined 20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make 13 million more than the entire Mac.
0: And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the Cover Three podcast, Senior college football columnist at cbssports.com superstar at cbs sports hq he's been on cbs sports news oh cbs news cbsn CBSN cbsn.com watch it always on i mean dennis when you're going on there to to do hits in between uh you know conversations about impeachment inquiry and and what's going on with the economy it really feels like we're touching uh it really feels like sports has gotten big how are you doing man
2: yeah, yeah, they they bring me on to lighten the mood and in, and uh, in CBS News, yeah, <laughs> in between all that. No, I'm good. How are you guys?
1: No, hey, this is not lightening the mood, Dennis. This name, image, and likeness stuff is serious. Yeah, yeah, this is the end of amateur athletics as we know it. This is this is a cultural
2: shift. Uh, this is this is serious stuff, man. <laughs> How are you feeling? Well, Mark Emmert last week said it was a uh, you know an existential threat to the collegiate model and the hardest thing he's had to deal with. In his, his almost ten years in office, um, I, I think Penn State might want to have a word, or Michigan State, or what other, what a myriad other scandals that have been dealt with this decade. But it is what it is. It's uh, it, it, I, I think the the upshot is something's going to change. It's not going to stay the same. the The NCAA can take this to the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court will hear it. But, but uh, something's going to change. I I think that. Last count yesterday was eight states either have a bill or considering a bill. And it grows each day because because here's the thing, it's it's seen as student athlete welfare to politicians. So it's really a bipartisan thing. That's what happened in California. It was a bipartisan vote, you know, seventy-two to nothing to go to the the governor's office. And I think that's what's happening in these other states. I I can't remember any other uh, I guess uh, rule or change in the NCAA that was so so political, but it's not political. It's bipartisan. There's no disagreement on, it. and that's where I think that's the NCAA's biggest uh, biggest hurdle here is because well, they're going to have to go to all these states and put out fires, stamp out fire legal fires, and that that's their worst nightmare right now.
1: Well, and, and we can get into what what's going on um, for for anyone that sort of wants to um, follow along with this, but. That that's sort of what's puzzling to me is, you, you said it. I mean, this is a bipartisan issue. This is this is coming whether the NCAA likes it or not, and yet they're still digging their heels in and pushing back on this and saying they're not going to schedule. You know, Gene Smith saying they're not going to. Ohio State is going to be forced not to schedule California schools, and the NCAA yeah, saying yeah. that this is, um, you know, some existential crisis that they're like just accept it and and start uh, start addressing the ways you can regulate it the ways that you can manage it and and I mean this is co- like this is inevitable at this point so it's just crazy to me that the NCA wants to bury its head in the sand collectively instead of addressing what's happening and finding a, 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 a constructive way to deal with it
2: uh, yeah I agree I, I ask I know a former NCA investigator we were talking about not this but just just, just their stance on various you know uh, things that come across the desk of the NCA I said why, why does everything have to be so obstinate why do they stand up to any sort of change at all and he said people in power like to keep that power and, and the level of power they have and that's that goes you know probably in politics and the corporate world and here in the NCA change is not good if you've got your job you, you know based on what's happening now but you're right. It will change. Uh, it, it's a complicated issue, but look, it's that's why these people get paid this money. Uh, you got to figure it out. And when you see a kid, I I, talk, I talked to a Kansas player yesterday. This is amazing. And with all this money being thrown around in uh, cost of attendance, and oh, the players have never had more benefits. He told me he was a Kansas linebacker. He's out for the year with shoulder surgery. He told me that. He gets, he goes, the number is now $1,200 a month at Kansas, cost of attendance, pretty good gig if you can get it. Well, he says between rent, car insurance, food, gas, everything else, sometimes he has $15 in his bank account at the end of the month. And I, I don't think that's what people realize. Um, you know, they're getting a lot of these benefits and a lot of this money, but they still have, they need it to survive day to day. So I, I thought that was good.
0: Yeah, there's no time to work a second job with the modern uh, college athlete schedule, and that's not just a that's not just a football thing. That's going to go across all sports with the travel, the scheduling, the workouts. That's just uh, it's not that. okay. So, Barton, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Dennis. As to to sort of back this up, one of the things that I have found was maybe intentionally misleading in terms of the messaging because you're right this is a bipartisan Mm -hmm. issue but I've seen a lot of similarities to the way that you know politics and culture wars are are sort of handled in this country uh, in this day and age and there are misconceptions that you know this is paying players and that you know maybe schools are paying players or the NCAA is paying players and it seems like the people that are um, very much against name image likeness and keeping the amateurism Model As it is in the NCAA, they are encouraging uh, that misleading messaging because that will uh, drive more passionate. No, we want them, uh, you know, just we want them playing for the school or what happened to, you know, playing for the pride. And I think that it is interesting that even when you reveal the no, the schools are not the ones that are going to be doing this. In fact, it is not guaranteeing any player anything. You know the in my understanding of this oh. Dennis and tell me if I'm wrong like name image likeness is based the the law as it has been passed in California and I'm guessing similar legislation that will follow across the country says you cannot be ineligible if you profit off your name and likeness if I'm Todd Gir, right. if I, I, yeah if I'm Todd Gurley and I sign a helmet for a fan, and I get paid to do that. That is my money, and I can still play for the Georgia Bulldogs. No harm, no foul, and we keep it moving. It, and that has nothing to do with. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so just sort of help help bring some clarity to exactly what we're talking about here.
2: I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that because the NCA has has stolen the message and co opted the message to to that pay for play. Mark Emmer keeps saying, "Well, we're not going to stand for pay for play." Whoa, 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 whoa! Whoever said anything about that? You know, there's nobody talking about the schools writing up players a check for playing football. Um, and, and by the way, uh, as long as we're on that subject, uh, Judge Wilkin, Claudia Wilkin, in her decision on Alston earlier this year, uh, the antitrust suit that the NCA lost, a 100-page decision, right in the middle of it, she takes, she takes the uh, baseball bat out and whacks the, the NCA across the ankles, and says you're already engaged in pay for play, and she lists all the benefits players get, including cost of attendance, you know, uh, medical care, insurance premiums they can pay, um, you know, scholarship checks, all this other stuff. And she makes a very, very compelling argument that if you want to call it pay for play, you're already there. But as you said, this isn't that. Uh, there's a way to do this without the schools paying out a dime. Um, Look, we're, all, we're we're talking about a right and I would argue it's a basic civil right you know we're all born with the stuff that chip you're talking about you know the Gerber baby can can make uh, millions uh, you know by by having her image or parents can having her image on baby food well an NCAA player couldn't do that so we're all born with that right this is just the uh, the California law is just recognizing that right and you, you're right it's it's just look it you cannot be ineligible if you accept this money for autographs or whatever does it need to be regulated well that's for the adults in the room to figure out because they've neglected it for too long and i'm talking about the ncaa uh, it'll get fixed it's hard but don't, don't believe the hype about the pay for play because it's the furthest furthest thing from that
1: yeah yeah it's 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 really kind of unfortunate that the name of the bill is whatever it is yeah. pay for play You're because right. fair, fair play act or whatever because that's not really what it is, and 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 just to take it a step further, you know, I I actually think the whole idea of a salary for your uh, your student athletes um, paid out by the school, which is something that a lot of people have been pushing for a long time, is absurd and ridiculous, and wouldn't make economic sense would cripple athletic departments. W- wouldn't make Wouldn't make sense in terms of the. Um, e- you know the the amount paid out per player depending on their value to the program and all that sort of stuff so this is the actual alternative to that that actually yeah. allows these kids to to benefit and and profit off their name and likeness as the market decides and a lot of and i think what people miss is uh, is most people wouldn't really have much significant benefit i mean you and and i think what this this erases is the Ridiculous idea that if you go and, and you're a, a football player and you go to the local subjoint and they give you a free sandwich because you had a good game, like technically that's illegal right now. And ridiculous things right. like that are erased. And it's just you are getting uh, – you, you can profit off of being a famous football player or, or famous women's basketball player or, or whatever. And, um, and, and there are – the, the extreme examples, the outliers that yes could make significant money. If you're a Zion Williams, uh, did Williamson, Williamson. And, uh, if you're a Zion Williams. Johnny, yeah, Johnny
2: Manziel, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, you could get you could get some serious yeah. bank, and and as you should because that that you are, uh, you know, materially important to the bottom line of a multi million. Billion dollar industry, and so I, I think that's like that's the important clarification is that I mean all these guys are would be doing would be getting money from outside of the university uh, that the market decides they're worth, and and I think that the and, and where people get hung up is the idea that all right, well then where does that end? Where does it end? Is are, are boosters going to pay for you know make up a name and likeness contract promise? To a recruit and say we'll pay three hundred thousand dollars to sponsor our, our dealership uh, if you sign with um, uh, State A and M, and like that's fine if they want to do that. And and who loses? The kid gets some money. Who loses? And if the kid ultimately shows up and he's not as good as he as as people expected him to be, which happens all the time in recruiting, then all of a sudden this booster who used to be spending a $300,000 on facilities or name in a building or whatever is is out that money because the kid's in a transfer portal or is no good. And then suddenly, you know what? Hey, maybe he's going to start adjusting his idea of, of his return on investments investing in 17-year-old players. So like there's a lot of market movement yeah. and, and adjustment that, that would take place to create an environment that's not as – like wild as i
2: think a lot of people envision i i, I love the where does it end argument because I, I i immediately shoot back well where does it end with Dabo sweeney and jimbo fisher you know and, and, well those are market driven forces it's really funny when when they want it to be a game it's a business when they want it to be a business you know when when you claim it's a business it's a game you know it goes back and forth it's that eternal struggle between the for-profit um, outlook of any athletic department and the nonprofit status or amateurism of of being a player. Yeah, I my, my, you raise a great point, Barton. Yeah, let's say uh, what what about a booster coming in and paying all this money? Well, guess what? At least it would be above board, because we'd be naive to think none of that's going on now. And you want to talk about unregulated? It's definitely unregulated. So you know, there's there's so many ways this could go. You know. The, the antiquated notion that the uh, the name on the on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back. I'll go with that for about 99 percent of the folks. But you mentioned Zion Williamson. Uh, I always used Johnny Manziel and that frenzy that went on at AM when he when he got good. That I guarantee you the name on the back was more more important than the the name on the front. And, and so they should they should be able to you know. Profit from some of that. Why can't you get in a partnership with the players and and let them make a few shekels, you know, since they're, uh, as I keep saying, the NCAA hates us. I keep saying the unpaid labor force, because that's what they are.
0: The, uh, The law guarantees nothing. It just says you can't get in trouble for something else, and I hear from people who are still, you know, very much uh, both both in the private sector and then also within college athletics. You know, all the people who are the the business of college athletics. You you hear the conversation. There are going to be some unintended consequences, and I feel like it's it's being uh, it's being said with a finger wag and, and a "be careful what you wish for" type tone. And honestly, I'm at, I'm in the mindset and this, look, this could be something that even comes all the way down to, to affect me in some way. But I, I am of the mindset that, you know what, there might be some unintended consequences, but I think that we can adjust and I think that we can figure it out and I'm, I'm okay if we need to break the system and have a a year or two of wild, wild West, because look, the NCAA has shown, and this is one, another thing that I say, uh, They've made very, very quick changes to the transfer rules and we've seen the world change. The NCAA has made yeah. changes to the the recruiting calendar, and now the entire job of being a college football coach has changed. To act like the NCAA is at at the same time, both glacial in in terms of uh, how quickly it moves to, to get things done, but also can can make changes very fast. It's just a matter of picking up the pieces once everything's broken. And just sort of with the imbalance being the way it is and with the restrictions that are placed on student athletes to be able to be compensated even outside of the loop of college sports economics, uh, I'm okay with a, a year or two of Wild Wild West and the system sort of getting shook up a little bit.
2: I I am too. I mean, I'm okay with like a Tua getting $75,000 or whatever, pick a number to to do a commercial for a car dealer, because the market is going to take care of that. Sooner or later, somebody's going to look at that number and say, hey, you know what, we're not selling enough cars to justify that. Or really justify anything? We're going to pay him two thousand dollars, or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Well, it's um, like when salary caps. Tri-
0: yeah, when salary caps go up in a fixed yeah. cap professional league, there's going to be somebody that gets a contract, a stupid contract that is never yep. cashed in on, and then they become the the warning, uh, the warning for everyone moving forward. And there's going to be a recruit that ends up. Uh, having that story, or a player who ends up having that story, and then we'll all move on. We'll figure out how to adjust moving forward.
1: And and there's, and there's truly, a way. There's a way to go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I was just going to say. I mean, there's truly like an answer for every rebuttal to this movement, and, and and it's which I'm sure that there's there's probably people listening and saying, well, what about this or what about this? And we we might not get to that what about, but like this is such a clear. And I think, um, I mean, this is just this is the right approach to take to fix a, a, a lot of the problems, a lot of the issues. Even to the point of, I mean, we all bemoan, like, whoa, you're talking of two million dollar defensive coordinator, million dollar assistant coach, eight hundred thousand dollars for an offensive line coach, yeah. Oh, yeah. and it's like, and, and and I think people are saying, well, and people want to want to want a hand ring about that. And, and at the, those same people are going to say, well, this is going to cripple athletic departments because boosters are going to pay directly to the students and not pay the athletic department. And then how are they going to be able to fund the athletic department? It's like, well, maybe you just pay a coach a reasonable price. Maybe we don't have $10 million coaches anymore. Yeah. And so all this stuff has a – there. there's there's levers to all of this stuff. And, and, and b- the bottom line is at the end of the day, w- like the people who are – moving the needle who you turn on the TV to watch, who entertain you on a regular basis are going to get some money that they deserve that they weren't otherwise getting. So where's like, who is the victim in this? There won't really be a true victim
2: in this. I don't think. Mm. Let's, let's all admit that players are, are are being compensated because they are, I just mentioned all the ways they do cost of attendance. I, I, cost of attendance, um, you know, if you go into these schools, food twenty four seven a day, uh, healthcare, everything, insurance premiums. I saw a video on—I on, don't know where I saw it—on these these bowl suites, these bowl gift suites. You know how these players go to bowls, and it looks like the price is right. They just go in there, you know, take anything you want, and I think the limit's five hundred and fifty dollars. But you can get a hell of a lot of stuff for five hundred and fifty dollars, and if that isn't pay for play, I don't know what is. That's, that's a gift for being a football player. It's not attached to education, it's not attached to everything else. So we're already there, that's my point. I asked Mark Emmert this directly. Okay, assuming all that, what number amount, give me a number figure that turns off the average fan who's been going and spreading a blanket at Michigan games for 20 years, has been giving to the program, loves his team, what amount turns off that fan where he stops coming to games? I would submit to anyone, that's a hell of a big number, and I mean really big. You're still going to root for dear old Michigan or, or Yale, um, Barton, or whoever, because it's your it's your alma mater, it's your team, it's the one you, you root for. So no system's going to break down, you know, you're not going to get to the point where eh, he's making $20,000, that quarterback's overpaid. No, I think you want them to win, and you don't care. You know, you just want to see ball. You just want to help your team win. I, I, the, there's, as I
1: sort of try to look for the, anywhere in this movement where I, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable or it, it feels off. Uh, yeah. The, the one thing that, the, the, only thing that's, that I've sort of paused on. I, I tweeted something to, you know, in, in the discussion over the last couple of days. I tweeted something in regard of like. It doesn't bother me booster involvement because ultimately, if a booster is paying a player uh, to basically go to their school, then who loses? What does it matter? And and alt- and and the the cast system in college football doesn't really change. It doesn't really matter. No. Um, no. But but uh, but I I got a direct message from a, an assistant coach, and this is a coach who's at a a top ten team current top 10 team mm-hmm. who's, you know, in the, in the battles for the, for the big time prospects. Right. And mm-hmm. he said something to the effect of, you know, I am with you. I agree with what you're saying, but you know, it would be, it would be nice if the name and likeness doesn't go into effect until your sophomore year so that you're not, so that you would have to sort of basically earn that, um, that money and you're, it's not a projection a on your talent. Point. And I think and, and really and and he didn't say this outright but I could I could envision the way he's looking at this or thinking about this is man can you like right now I'm just out here recruiting football players and I'm out here recruiting guys based on their them being a fit at my university and me, me being a fit for them but what if you have to throw in now that I'm recruiting these guys and I'm I'm negotiating or connecting or facilitating Name and likeness deals in order to get them on campus. He didn't say that, but I can see that from yeah. a from a coaching side of this, this could add a whole new hairy element that that changes sort of the function of their job as recruiters. Again, well, I, I'm okay with that being a, a sacrifice of this, but it, it does that is something that's like not, you know that 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 creates a little bit of a weird scenario. Um, situation that that people got to
2: navigate there is a part of this that wipes out all that um you you could just put the money in escrow and make it a condition of graduation now that doesn't help the hungry husky portion of the player population you know that needed you know those guys that that guy just mentioned to uh to make rent but it it does you know remove that i guess recruiting advantage if you want to talk about that but you you mentioned it perfectly barton the cast system doesn't change in any of this uh, alabama still gets the best players uh, vanderbilt doesn't and that doesn't change it's just a question of how above board it is it? and with this it would be it would be above board it, it would not be operating in the shadows
0: mm. um well, all right so to to sort of bring a button button up this issue the the california law is set for 2023 the other states are, are moving things along. I think Florida has even targeted 2020 as its date. Yeah Dennis, as as you from your um, your interactions with either NCAA officials and your knowledge of sort of where things go in the NCAA calendar is do should we even expect any kind of uh, emergency meetings or is this going to be something that's just going to no, bubble no. around or be debated until next summer?
2: No, and I've written this. They've, You know, this uh, working group is going to have something at the end of the month. But uh, Mark Emmert basically said it's not going to be a proposal for a rule change. It's going to be some guidelines that can be worked on. And they've said that the soonest any NCA legislation can be passed is January of 2021. Um, so they're just willing to to go with it. I mean, how many states are going to have this by then? 20, 30? That that's what's going to push things along, because there's going to, like you just said, Chip, what, you know, some of these states are going to be online before 2021 or in 2021, and the NSA is going to have to get on top of it. They're just they're just it's it's so short-sighted. They're not on top of it. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's so many ways they could they could get into a partnership with the players right now. At, with with merchandise sales, uh, with. Oh, I, I propose the uh, the EA Sports game. Let's uh, let's go. We will grant you here's name, image, and likeness players. Let's get into a partnership on a license. Bring the game back. Uh, you know, you guys get this. We get this. We put our we put our mark on it. Everybody's happy, uh, including the consumer. By the way, we love it. Um, and I I I already wrote this. You just throw a number out there. The the players own their own their rights. They they sell the back of the jersey names and the cover. the cover for twenty million. There's thirteen thousand FBS players. That comes to an average of seven hundred and thirty-two dollars. It doesn't. It doesn't involve Title Nine because it's market driven. It it it. You know. It, there's no pearl clutching because they. You know. There's no. You know. When proper somebody getting five hundred thousand um, dollars. And that's just one solution that's part, part of one solution
0: I like that. also if they bring the game back, that means that uh, head coach Pip Chatterson II currently in uh, his third <laughs> dynasty, who's reached year the, the 2027 season a couple times who's got his Xbox 360 sounding like an exhaust you van go. you know it means I can update my system. Yeah. I'll be ready. <laughs> um, all right. So this week at CBSSports.com, and probably by the time you uh, you listen to this, you can head on over, and you're going to get to see uh, Dennis Dodd's hot seat rankings. Now, I imagine that because, you know, you plan ahead, you're always working, you're moving the pieces around. Chris Ash was probably going to be near the top of that list. Well, Rutgers takes care yeah. of that <laughs> for you. So uh, the, the Chris Ash part sort of gets taken care of as it is. So when we... Let's, let's start with the conversation. The, for mid season uh, dismissals, is there another one that you would see? And I'm not counting like a a late November, let's say like in the next month or so, do you think we're going to see another coach either, and let's say either power five or notable group of five get dismissed?
2: I don't. I don't think so. I think if anything happens at USC, they're going to wait it out. Um, Tennessee, if they continue to go in the tank, I, well, I know that that's one we're talking about. If if uh, the AD slash uh, interim coach Phil Fulmer decides to pull the trap door, that could be one uh, after two years uh, because they have to the meet at their schedule coming up. I you know, I, look, look, you never say never because that's really the accepted way of doing things now is to fire in season to get a jump on at, on at recruiting because the early signing date than not, than letting them wait. So if, Virgi- if Virginia Tech wanted to do something with Justin Fuente, I doubt it. More likely Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, Steve Adazio at Boston College. The Kansas game was almost unforgivable. And then down the line, um, Tony Sanchez, because they're, that's a really interesting one to watch. He's the former high school coach at Gorman, that superpower. Hasn't done well at all, 17 and 35, but – they are walking into one of the best venues in the country next year. They're going to play in the Raiders stadium. So how do you want that program to look? How do you want it to project itself? Uh, I almost think they have to make a change there. It'll be really interesting who, who they can get. So I could see that happening too early.
1: Where? How do you measure, gauge the Justin Fuente situation? Uh, he seems to be one of the hotter seats uh Uh, certainly relative to the recent results on the field um you know talk me through
2: where you're at with them yeah i don't i don't pretend to know inside dealings at at virginia tech i mean that loss to duke was head scratching the worst home loss in 45 years i guess duke must be pretty good that's that's alabama's best win now by the way if you want to talk that stuff can can, can i tell you
1: something i heard on duke recently yeah. Uh, I please. was talking, I, I was talking to someone in the MTSU, um, staff mm-hmm. and, uh, I was like, Hey, I, you know, who's better, Iowa or Michigan? And, uh, and this was mainly offensive, you know, uh, yeah. offensive related. And he was like, "Iowa's a lot better. Um, but Duke's not far behind. And I was like, Oh really? Because they played all three of those oh. teams. And he was like, yeah, they're just really simple. They keep it simple. They're, well coached, they don't ask the quarterback to do too much, but he's good at what they ask him. So maybe, maybe just maybe, Duke is not as bad of a loss as it's uh, it looked on the surface. But that'll be something to monitor going forward. What what Duke does the well, rest of the
2: year? Well, that's right. And but that doesn't explain, you know, their efforts against Furman and Old Dominion. They lost to them yep. last year. Talk yep. About Tech and slogged around with them this year. Uh, was behind, I think, in the second half. Uh, Fuente all of a sudden has lost twelve of his last twenty two games and you know, after being one of the brightest lights in uh, in coaching among younger coaches. so I haven't figured it out yet. I, I don't think I, I don't think they're ready to pull the trigger there's there's every there's every reason to believe this should be a bad patch and they just get back. but if if you're going through a bad patch in the ACC, you're going through a really bad patch.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, this is a time that would when, when Virginia Tech should be really thriving relative to their competition. And I guess it's really about – and, Chip, you were saying something before we hopped on about um, kind of the the culture in the locker room or at least the culture as has been presented by those who have left that locker room.
0: Yeah, it's – I mean – there have been a ton of transfers, right? I mean, there's just like a lot of people really? have left that program. Uh, the defense has dropped off, and that was just such a, a big part of the culture and the identity. I mean, the lunch pail defense—like Bud Foster invented the lunch yeah. pail. They they show it on the sidelines. They bring it to uh, you know ACC football kickoff, and if if the message of uh, and Bud Foster announces at the beginning of the season, he's planning to retire at the end of the season. And so I just, I think that right now there's just probably a little bit of uncertainty and there just doesn't seem to be like a, a one strong force that, it, that is kind of pulling everything together. This is a Virginia tech program that prior to Frank Beamer did not have uh, a, a long history of successful football. Frank Beamer established that program in terms of its national recognition and and any kind of conference championship contention so year 1 after beamer at the end of frank beamer's tenure Things were starting to slip. His final year, they had to win the last game in order to be bowl eligible and keep their bowl streak alive. Then the next year, Justin Fuente takes him to the ACC championship game. Uh, They push Clemson all the way to the end. I think it's 42-35 in that title game. And so we're like, wow, Mm -hmm. Justin Fuente. Like, hey, I'll tell you what. Um, Whit Babcock, that was the best transition from a legend that we've ever seen. Normally that's hard, but you figured out a way to do it. And I, I do, I respect Whit Babcock wit Babcock. I think he's done uh, a lot of good things within that Virginia tech program, hiring Buzz Williams, for example, that was, that worked out very well for Virginia tech basketball, but I think it's will. I think it's worth considering that The drop off that we see when uh, an icon like Frank Beamer steps away or steps down, maybe the drop off was just delayed a little bit because now um, the people who are Justin Fuente apologists are sort of going back and pointing to the well, you know. The, those those staffs didn't really do a whole lot in terms of uh, recruiting a couple years down the line. And now we're starting to see that show up. They didn't do a good job of identifying and developing. And and now that we're about three or four years separated, that's why the product on the field is so bad. But I, I go back to the culture standpoint where if, if kids are just leaving, if kids are revolting against your coaches, and if when players show up elsewhere, they're saying that it's not a great uh, it's yeah. not a great vibe in the locker room well that's uh that's, that's the kind of stuff that either you has to just cycle out or it's gonna need a change of leadership in order to fix
2: yeah that really surprises me because that's a that's a good job the support there is is fantastic fan support booster support you're in a place where you can get players there's history and tradition there um chip you've been there i mean it's not it's not like Oh, this is what Virginia tech is. No, it's not. Um, you know, Beamer established a, a standard and I think that standard is, it's is in any given year is close to attaining, but something's happened there and I, I don't know what it is.
0: What were, what about some of those other names that you mentioned? What do you, do you think that Philip Fulmer will be coaching in late November in Knoxville?
2: Uh, Oh, the, you added the late November caveat. Um, <laughs> where, where, what? Or, or, why can't we just say ever? If it's yeah. ever, yes. <laughs> okay,
1: all right, there you go. So, yeah, so ever, does that yes. does that mean that you think it's it, it is? Uh... All right, so you do think the answer to that is yes?
2: Yeah, I'm not even saying it's this year. Right. You know, he could, he, you know. Look, two years is, or you got to make the think hard and fast. If you're going to do that to your program, but. In a place like Tennessee with Phil Palmer sitting there, that could happen. But it, it could happen in year three. You know, they, uh, you know, the prospects aren't bright for the rest of the year for Tennessee, but they may hold on to them just because they want to hold on to them and keep some continuity. But if if the answer is ever going forward, I would say absolutely yes. Late November, I don't know. It might be December. <laughs> it might be for the bowl game, right, if they have a bowl game. Who knows? Mm. I just It just seems
1: like... I can just—it's—it's—it's a clear vision in my head about Phil Fulmer sitting in his office, looking at Mac Brown and Herm Edwards and who else? There's another one out there somewhere in there. Uh, These old heads that have come back that are winning and and just being like, man, I can do that. Like, just let let me let me add it here. And uh, but and and I mean, I would have thought Phil Fulmer. I mean. Jeremy Pruitt would have been winning by now. That's the surprise—not winning, but looking, looking competitive by now.
2: Progress, so, progress. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's the head-scratching part here. Um, so, and there's still time to 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 show that progress. I guess. I mean, shoot, we were we were ready to bury Chad Morris two weeks ago after San Jose State, State loss, and then you know they almost beat a yeah. And M, and so the, the progress starts to show up just a, a week later than than we thought. Um, so maybe maybe we're just a week away from the progress showing up at Tennessee.
0: I don't think it's showing up this yeah, I mean, Saturday. They're
2: gonna, they're gonna, no, they're gonna they're gonna start one and six. I think what Georgia Mississippi State at Alabama, uh, then home against South Carolina could go either way before they be, be, play UAB on November second, and that could go either way. That's a, we know how good UAB is.
1: I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't tally a loss to Mississippi State to to anyone in the SEC just yet after what they like. That's true. That's true. Yeah,
2: that's true.
0: Um what about so is there anybody else from the uh the power five level that you've kind of got your eye on that's high on your hot seat rankings?
2: Well I, I think I think Lovey Smith has played himself back uh out of the hot seat for now. They're two and two. Uh, but losing to Eastern Michigan is still losing to Eastern Michigan. He's still tied to the AD, Josh Whitman, who's, I think, a 40, 40, 41-year-old guy. He's the guy who went outside the box to get Lovey, and he's going to rise or fall with Lovey. So Lovey's going to get that extra year that maybe he shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, things continue to go south because if, if he fails, Whitman fails, and they've got millions of dollars tied up in new facilities. But- Illinois still play Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. So it's 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 it looks like three and nine, two and ten again. Uh, the one that baffles me, not baffles me, but Charlie Strong at South Florida, who, who's you know they're they're now one and three. They showed really bad against Wisconsin, and he's coached in two of the hot, hottest recruiting hotbeds in the country. Uh, head coach lately, uh, Florida and, and Texas since the beginning of the fourteen season. He's thirty four and thirty two. In a, in a really tough conference now, I'm talking about one and three, the Americans got quality and depth throughout, uh, but they've been outscored 111 to 31 in their last three games against FBS competition. The worst thing is Charlie Strong's defense is 105th in total defense. Never thought I'd see it. So a lot's gone wrong there.
1: Yeah, they get worse by the by the year, by the week, by mm-hmm. the day, it seems like. They just keep on sinking lower and lower.
2: You think Charlie yeah. Strong
0: wants to be a defensive I, coordinator in the SEC again?
2: I think Charlie Strong wants to be a head coach in the SEC again. I don't um, think any of these guys. Mean, get to this
1: head, yeah, I, like I don't think any yeah. these guys that, that get to be the head coaching job want to go backwards. Like those guys, no. Yeah, they they want they don't want to be answering anybody after they after they feel the power of that big chair. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's what South Florida. That's what South Florida was all about. That was going to be his bounce back job. And I keep hearing, you know, he's desperate to get out now for whatever reason. But, but it's probably not going to be at an SEC job for all the reasons I just mentioned. Um, same thing. The same thing happened to Mike Bobo at Colorado State. He was going to be the next Jim McElwain. You know, uh, Georgia offensive coordinator, SEC rising star, goes and gets his first job and bounces back. Well, you know, now uh, since the beginning of 18, Colorado State is 4-13. and 13. And Bobo is 25 and 31 overall, and they're not drawing in a new stadium. I actually went and saw that Canvas uh, Stadium in, in Fort Collins this, this summer. It's absolutely incredible, and they're only drawing 24,000 in a 41,000 seat stadium. As you guys know, that'll get you fired more than anything else. When the interest wanes, when people don't care, that's the worst thing. Um, you know, you can lose, but if people don't care, then you're in trouble. So. You know, that's going to be tough. I, I don't know where he goes from here. I actually think Willie Taggart has, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be fired this year. Uh, they're, they're three and two now. I'm not saying they're going to a bowl, but they've kind of righted the ship. And they're, they're not they're not getting boat racing in the second half because they're not in condition anymore or whatever whatever that was. I don't know what that was against uh, against Louisville and Boise and what was the other one? Well, and uh, Louisiana. ULM. And Monroe. Um because clearly that was a that was a conditioning thing, and I I don't get it. Um, so and Chip and Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, even though is he one and four now? I can't remember one and four. I think that the Washington State win did him uh, a lot of good, even though it was crazy. Uh, they scored fifty points in the second half, um, and then it really would have helped if they beat uh, Arizona, but they lost late to Arizona. But there's nothing's going to happen there unless uh, Casey Wasserman says so. Casey Wasserman is a media mogul. He's a CEO of uh, Wasserman Media. He built the uh, the UCLA football facility for hundred million dollars, and he wooed he wooed uh, Kelly to UCLA. So that's not done yet. Nothing's going to happen to him after this this season.
0: Mm. Dennis, uh, you're going to be in Gainesville this weekend. Yes, homecoming homecoming top 10 matchup in the swamp make sure that you follow dennis on twitter at dennis cbs he will be reporting live on the scene from that sec on cbs game of the week make sure you follow him on twitter at barton simmons he will be in Stamford, connecticut holding it down at cbs sports hq follow me at chip underscore patterson we will be back tomorrow with the locks saturday night with the instant reaction gentlemen thank you very much
2: Deserve. thank you